Dawson barking signal. He's fading. The Chiefs are still going for him. Dawson's going to run. Watch out, Lenny. They're behind you. Oh, Lenny ducked at the right time, and the two big guys from Minnesota almost killed each other. Lenny Dawson first down. Lenny ducked, and one man coming up, and one man coming from behind. We're going to kill him, and they hit each other when Lenny ducked. Legends, our exclusive Chiefs radio conversation is brought to you by Century Roofing. Trust the pillars of strength. Trust Kansas City's hometown roofing team, Century Roofing. And by Quad Power Products, your one-stop shop for hydraulic equipment and repair. Quad Power Products at quadfluidpower.com. Here again is the host of Legends, Dan Israel. Welcome back to our second hour of Legends. My guests are Chiefs legends, Willie Lanier, Bobby Bell, Mike Garrett, and Jan Stenerud. As we rejoin our discussion, we jump back to one of the greatest years in KC history. Let's uh, transition to the 1969 season. Uh, the attention always seems to fall to the Super Bowl victory. I, I guess that makes sense. But that season had so much adversity. We talked about Lynn being out and the defense kind of taking it upon themselves to make sure there was a season for Lynn to come back to. But another example of that defensive prowess from 1969 is a game we don't talk about as much. Bay Stadium in New York this afternoon, the American Football League playoff game between the New York Jets and the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's take a look now at the starting lineups on offense for both of these teams. First for Kansas City, the wide receivers will be Frank Pitts and Otis Taylor. The left tackle will be Jim Tyrer. The left guard will be Ed Buddy. The center will be E.J. Holoff. The right guard will be Mo Borman. The right tackle will be Dave Hill. And the tight end will be Freddie Arbanas. At quarterback for the Chiefs, Lynn Dawson, the 13-year veteran from Purdue University. And the running backs will be Mike Garrett and Robert Hall. The first playoff game sends you on the road to play Joe Namath and the defending world champion New York Jets. It was a cold, windy day at Shea Stadium, not good playing conditions. So the game is very close. I believe the Chiefs were leading 6-3. to three. And in the fourth quarter, you guys have three huge defensive stands. The first one starts when Emmett Thomas gets flagged, and suddenly Joe Namath is first in goal at the one. What happens is that you had bright people first. You had the ability to think quickly and adapt. So if I'm the one who just happens to be causing the defense, then look down the field and see a yellow flag being thrown in the end zone on Emmett Thomas. Within 65 to 90 seconds, we're going to be lined up with the first and goal at the one, defending Super Bowl champion in their stadium, where I believe it was also understood a touchdown was going to win that game because it's 6-3 at right. that point. All right, So a touchdown is going to win it yeah. just because. So the thought was that looking back down the field, we're going to be at the first and goal at the one. Namath is going to be the general there in the control. I might say a couple of things about get your head up. We're not going to concede anything and all of that. But words without action don't mean anything, right? Yes, I'm not going to grow a thousand pounds and I can throw people <laughs> out the way just by that 60 seconds, right? So the thing that I was able to think initially was that they had more risk than we did. And the reason they had more risk is that they're going to have a first and goal at the one. But once their hand touched the ground, if anybody moves, they have to go back to the six. That means 
I can risk being offside to jam this thing up. So with that being the case, I have to decide if Namath doesn't go on the first hut, he has to go on the second one. So I'm going to risk being offside. If the offensive center, I talked with Joe Namath about a month ago, and we had the longest discussion we've ever had in our lives. I thought that if it's a 4-3 defense, if the offensive center's hand is on the ball, he moves that ball. If he does hut-hut, his arm has to move. He can't block me and have his hand go between his legs at the same time. So all I have to do is turn my hip to him the offensive guard next to him, his hands on the ground, he can't step over that quickly, step between and square up. And we were able to then stop the first thrust, yeah. boom. And then the energy yeah. did that. And once the energy did that, the next one, everybody comes to life. And then Bobby makes a great play on the left side, on the right side, on a play-action pass. Third and still at one foot to go. The team comes set. Famous, fake, he's going to throw. He's running out to his right side. Nobody is loose. Still no receiver. Still no receiver. He is hit and really hit on the outside. Ball and down incomplete. Famous was really clobbered on the five-yard line. Nobody could get loose. He is up and hurt. You didn't bite. The blitz was on for that too, right? Oh, yeah. They score... Three six six next possession. Uh, they go down Gloucester Rich, and I think it was Gloucester Otis uh, catches the touchdown pass. Like Gloucester. It was Gloucester. Yeah. And the game's thirteen six. Yeah, but it's a long play to Otis right before. Yeah. The eye formation behind Gloucester. He fakes the handoff, drops back to his ten, and throws deep over the middle. Otis Taylor. It is completed the fifty to the forty-five. Trying to get around Billy Barrett. It does. Runs to the thirty to the twenty-five. Hates to the twenty and hits from behind. It was a great call. Uh, he went for the bomb right away, and it worked. Is that the one they drew up in the dirt? Yeah. So, so, so all of that, all of that reality was just fascinating to you know see it unfold. And the point was that was the quality of of a team with all of these African American men. Hey, I think we just we had like quarterbacks, everybody's knowledge there, you know, yeah. on defense. I mean, we always talking to each other. Will it be going to look? He said, "Hey, man, what about?" And we talk to each other. Yeah. They don't do that anymore no. like that. Even when they throw the ball or pass in the air, you know, somebody hollered, ball, ball. So everybody can look. Now they don't even say that anymore. You guys were so active on the field, though. I mean, you had such a football IQ. Bobby, you are lined up. The blitz is called. You don't bite on the fake. And it was a difference maker. A difference maker. It came out that he was looking at. I mean, Joe, he, he talked to me. He said, why you didn't go in there, man? Why you <laughs> why didn't, didn't bite the fake? Why you going? He had to eat the ball, you know. So, you know, that's what you do out there. You talk to each other. You know, you, we talk to each other. You can't do, you see something different, we, we change it. I mean, we check out, we check all. Let's get out of here. I know, I remember Jim Kearney sometimes, he said, get on the tight end. He tells me, he said, hey, but, hey, but I don't say that. I can't run with this guy. Can you slow him down a little bit? <laughs> you know, and I get right on top of him. Bango, hit him, you know. And then we have switch. I said, Jim, I take the tight end. You take the, the back. Don't you let him score. I said, I got you, man. And better just to get upset about it. He said, what are you doing? That's Kearney, man. I said, coach, we stopped the play, damn it. Now you can crucify if we mess up. And we, we do that stuff on there. We talk to each other, you know. You had to learn how to change up, man. You had to make your, you know, but change. The thing, but the thing that was so great about the defense and Johnny Robinson was the safety and the way they throw the ball everywhere now, I would tell Johnny that he had to play so deep that he wouldn't show up on the film on Tuesday. It would no. have to look like we only had 10 guys, ten playing, guys because he had to play so deep that he never has to look for the ball. You are so deep that the ball is always in front of you, and all you have to do is go side to side. 
All right. This is simple games. And you just make the other guy get confused because it's a simple game. So it was it's just interesting even today and look at the game today and the guys who play today. They are playing Cincinnati. They had a third and a first and goal at the one with two minutes left leading twenty one to three. I'm not trying to beat up on them. They came away with zero points. Yeah. That ain't possible, but we oh no, you couldn't no, you can't do that. Did you know the game was over when Marsalis intercepts Namath? I thought I, I thought it was over over when we scored a touchdown. Touchdown. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought when we scored that touchdown, yeah. that was the only one. That was the only touchdown in the game. You were that confident as a defense, weren't you? We had just oh, held him. We just held yes, him. At first and goal at the one in Shea Stadium, and they won the Super Bowl the year before? No way. They weren't going anywhere. No, they ain't going nowhere. You know, that year, we, uh, well, Oakland beat us twice. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that was so funny, you know. Al Davis would say, oh, the Chiefs are coming now. We beat them twice. You guys bring your bags. We're going to leave from the game. We're going to go straight to, to, the, to, the, to the, Super the Super Bowl. Yeah, pack your bags and bring them up there, you know. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it's no way they're going to beat us twice. Our defense players, hey, they ain't going to score. They came out at the end of the game. Sram made us wait out there in the bus. Say, wait a minute, because he found out they had this suitcase and they had to walk out to the <laughs> We're standing out there. That's- <laughs> hey. You need help with your bags? <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk about that game. You get past the defending champs. Now you're headed back to Oakland. You only lost three games the entire 1969 regular season to the Bengals in the game Lynn got injured. And the other two were home and away to the Raiders. In the, the home game, you lost by three. In the away game, you lost by four. So both very close games. But what was the game plan to prevent a third Raiders defeat from ending your season? Well, they had to run the ball. I yeah, mean, we just ran the ball. Ran the ball. Kept the game very simple. And uh, the idea was not to make an error, put the defense in, in, in a bad position. Yeah. And um, just play as hard as you can and see what the percentages would, would bring you. It was great to go to Oakland and beat Oakland. It's great. It was great experience. Well, you got a consideration that hey, we didn't got here now. There's no reason to go back home now. I mean, we went through a lot of what was it? Seven games that Lenny was out. I think it was six. Six. Six, six games. Yeah, it was six games. We won them all. Yeah. Yeah. Six well, actually, games. we lost the first one. We lost to Cincinnati. When Lenny, Lenny started, but he could hurt. Yeah. So I said, hey, man, you don't need to go back home now. Let's go all the way now. We played in the first Super Bowl. We got an opportunity to get it now. Let's take it, you know. Yeah, take it. You did. Raiders jump out quick, but. Then you guys just smothered their flame. You held them scoreless the remainder of the contest for a 17-7 victory. That win sends you to SB4 for Mike. Bobby, what did it mean to get back to the Super Bowl? Well, for me, it was uh, it was kind of an unbelievable experience because the first Super Bowl was at Los Angeles in the Coliseum where I played college football. And losing there to get in Green Bay, I thought we should have played them a little better than we did. And they got a lead and we, we had to then start throwing the ball. Uh, when we get to uh, New Orleans, we always knew that Joe Cap and Soto would have a tough time scoring. So the question is, what can we do offensively to get as, as many points as we can on the on the scoreboard and give some relief to the defense? And so um, we, we were running reverses. We were attacking between tackle, and uh, certainly big deal was Otis Taylor. Otis was, you know, to me, one of the greatest players of all time. Not being in the Hall of Fame is an injustice there. But he caught a hitch and scored, and that broke their backs, particularly after our first two scores were Jan kicking field goals. It was funny. We were on the sidelines. We were up 6 nothing. 
And I said, hey, man, we, we may win this game six to nothing. <laughs> this is in, the, in, the, in like the midway of the second quarter. Well, we got to nine, Mike, before. Yeah, and then we got up to, you're right, we got nine, up to man, nine. Because you kicked first three. Yeah, but we got to nine, we were third and five, right, before that famous play. Yeah. And I was standing on the sideline thinking, if you only get three at 12, they still have a chance to go back. If you just, I wasn't thinking about how many field goals I want to kick. I was thinking about the, the game, of course. And, yeah, right. and I was so relieved that broke wide open. And now we're 16, and then I thought, yeah. 16, nothing with our defense. I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, so it's but that halftime was the longest halftime in the history of oh, yeah. football. <laughs> they got had so much entertainment, and we're leading 16, nothing, and we're going to have to go. It took forever mm-hmm. with all the entertainment they had. I so say, they, you, you remember when Lenny came in there before the game, he talked to Johnny, you know, said, man, what do you think about this game? You know, Johnny, we defense-wise, he said, we don't think he can score a touchdown on us. That's how good wow. we thought we our defense. And, and Lenny goes, you right? Okay. <laughs> he said, we're going to kick some field goals. We don't score, we kick some field goals. Johnny ended up kicking, nine, what, was nine points? What I remember, there was the field was horrible, I yeah. remember. And, you know, yeah. they did score one touchdown at the end. <laughs> well, they did come back. They, they, they scored 16. a touchdown they the, first possession, the first possession of the second half. Yeah, yeah. they, they come 16-7. They were favored, remember, guys? Yeah. They were favored by almost two touchdowns. They have two touchdowns. You know, but then the, the next drive is when Oh, just caught the short pass. Yeah, right? they took the drive and went down the field to score, and they got seven. My confidence was even higher because whatever changes they made at half, we had now seen them. Yeah. yeah. No, seriously. Your behind is done. Seriously, it was there's nothing else, nothing. in my view, that they could do. They came out with uh, the best stuff they had at the halftime. Yeah. I remember Brown, you know, the running back, <laughs> Joe Cap, checked off one time. He checked off. I got a picture. He checked off, and Brown. Looked at Joe and said, oh, Joe, please. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody took that picture, and I got it. I got it blown up, you know. I signed it for him, you know. <laughs> Rich Gannon, that's his father, oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I looked at the Brown, I said, hey, Brown, shh, I got you, I got you. <laughs> I pointed my finger at him, and they, somebody took that picture of me. Pointed my finger, don't worry about it. He looked at Joe, he said, Joe, don't give it to me. <laughs> and Aaron Brown just killed it, man. <laughs> you guys were such an intimidating defense. Yeah. Those past victories would propel the 69 Chiefs to Super Bowl IV. And was there a lot to talk about in that game? After the break on Legends. Ben Davids by Spear Lenny up there, you know. You see what happened. But the but was that we lost an opportunity to win the division. You're listening to Legends with Dan Israel, an exclusive Chiefs radio conversation. It's presented in part by Century Roofing. Trust the pillars of strength. Trust Kansas City's hometown roofing team, Century Roofing. I'm Steve Hedgepath with Quad Power Products. People know us for excellent customer service for their hydraulic hoses, couplers, adapters, and accessories. We also offer hydraulic cylinder service, where besides resealing, we actually recondition your cylinder by honing and polishing all sealing surfaces. We also bench test each repair before handing it back to you, all of that with a full one-year warranty. Come to Quad Power Products in South Kansas City on Hickman Mills Drive. Find us on the web at quadfluidpower.com. Century Roofing, your hometown roofing team, is proud to celebrate the life of Lynn Dawson. When choosing a roofing company, time is money, so choose the best. Century Roofing has been voted winner for best roofing company in Johnson County. You'll get quick and reliable service with outstanding technical expertise. We house all materials on site, so there's no unexpected delays. Be confident you made the right choice. Schedule an estimate from the best. KC-based and female-owned. Online at CenturyRoofingKC.com. Century Roofing. 
trust the pillars of strength. Now, back to our exclusive Chiefs Radio Special. You're listening to Legends on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. It's presented in part by Quad Power Products, your one-stop shop for hydraulic equipment and repair. Quad Power Products at quadfluidpower.com. Once again, here's your host, Dan Israel. After losing to the Raiders twice in the regular season, the 11-3 Chiefs would be the AFC wildcard. But a victory against Joe Namath and the defending world champion New York Jets and a win the following weekend against the Oakland Raiders on championship weekend would advance the Chiefs to their second Super Bowl appearance. And thanks to the Sables and NFL Films miking Chiefs head coach Hank Stram, Super Bowl IV became a legend itself. Mr. Official, let me ask you something. How can six of you miss a play like that, huh? All six of you. The ball jumped out of there as soon as we made contact. I thought you were talking about you being on the field. No. What? That stuff in front is like stealing. we got to do more of it. He can't cover that thing, Lenny. Throw it anytime. That pitch on the outside. That's a good time to throw it right there, you see. Let's go tie-dye, double hook. They didn't know where Mike was. Didn't know where he was. They didn't know where to go. Yeah, Kosalki was running around there like it was a Chinese fire drill. They look like they're flat as hell. Make sure you mark it right. Make sure you mark it right. Oh, you lost your place. Measure it. Take the chains out there. Oh, they didn't make it. My God, they made that by an inch. He definitely gave an extra foot. Bad. Very bad. We got six people out there and you can't see. How in the world can all six of you miss a play like that? All six of you miss a play. Then the ball was knocked loose when he made contact. Boy, that's a bad call. Come on, Lenny. Pump it in there, baby. Just keep matriculating the ball down the field, boys. The Chiefs have not been able to score a touchdown in this game and yet lead nine to nothing. It's third down. Another big third down play. Five yards to go for the touchdown. Lenny Dawson reads the defense to the Minnesota Vikings. Dawson with the ball, hands it to Garrett, Garrett's going to score, touchdown! A big hole opened off the left side, Tim Tyre and Ed Buddy threw him out. Mike Garrett, playing the daylight, went in for the TD, the Chiefs lead 15 to nothing, Bruce. The touchdown by Mike Garrett, the Heisman Trophy winner from USC, and in the words of Hank Graham, how sweet it is. The Mentor, 65 toss power track, yeah! Of course, the big offensive play that was immortalized by a mic'd up Hank Stram. Mike Garrett, what went through your mind when Gloucester Richardson comes in the huddle and the call is 65 toss power trap, a play you hadn't run for some time? Well, it's an influence play where we, we fake a toss and we go, go inside trap. And uh, they had Carter and a few other yeah. people who were really like Alan Page and so forth. And I just said, it, it will be there or... I get murdered on this. <laughs> you gonna get killed. Huh? You gonna meet him at the door. Huh? Yeah. My best player, my and, last. And and um, you know we 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 had been moving the ball reasonably well, so they knew we could play with him offensively. Their defense was awfully good too. And uh, when we faked the toss and I went inside, inside trap, all I want to know is where was the linebacker and the guards came and trapped their their defensive tackle and got inside and. And I saw the end zone, and I said, the linebacker uh, kind of swung at me and got his, hit me across the thigh, but that was all he could do, and it was all open. And I kept, all I could say running the end zone is, 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Unbelievable. 65. Yeah. I, you know, that, that was so funny, though. Me and Lenny talked about it, you know. Coach, they wired him, you know. They was going to put Bud Grant. They was going to put a wire on him, you know. And Bud said, no way you're going to wire me up because he cussed a lot, you know. <laughs> and they went over and asked Coach Sram, you know. I said, hey, we like your wire you for this game. We're going to video all this stuff. No. Coach said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> so we figured it out, you know. Every time we go, he come over to the hole. Lenny be trying to talk to him. He grabbed Lenny by his shirt and pulled him up to him close. Because <laughs> he got the mics on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean, he said, oh, my gosh, man. I used to tease the coach about that, you know. Coach, why, why'd you do that, you know? He said, what, what, what are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? You know, oh, man. Still the single most watched NFL film Super Bowl recap. Uh, all right, as we finish up here, just a couple of random topics. First, where did the Raiders rivalry begin? It was before. <laughs> really, I think it was before us. We were taught, you don't like this guy because you guys didn't. Yeah. You were ahead of us. So you must know when it started. When we were here in 67, well, we were know, just taught that. The thing is, uh, we didn't it, like it. It was uh, the fan made it like that. The fan, you know, we, we even when we go to the Raiders to play them, you know, they had to have police. The yeah. fans, I mean, they had to put us in through the gate and lock the gate, you know. But the, I think it was the fan most of the time. But people encouraged us to fight them on the field. Every game we played, just about we, we have a fight at the mm -hmm. game. You know, Al Davis used to bring in a player, you know, they don't need him. Call down, say, tell him, say, hey, hey, send so-and-so, tell him start a fight with Otis, getting kicked out of the game. <laughs> and he ended up getting But they always had something like that going on. I mean, I don't know. I think, I mean, even when we were out there, you know, uh, to play them or something like that, hey, the fans. But Bobby, they did have good players. Yeah, they and had, had good players. Uh, they had a great team. It was the two best teams, though. Oh, we were the two quality teams yeah. in the AFL. They had to. And, I mean, and you know, as we talked about our defensive 11, they were pretty good, too. And then offensively, they could come at you. They had their Otis, and who could uh, actually, I'm trying to give our receiver who was here with us, and then he got traded to uh, well, uh, Warren, Warren Wells. Yeah, Warren, Warren Wells. Warren. And Warren Wells was a great player, and that was their match with Otis. And so offensively, we had to run the ball between tackle and um, play them head up. And uh, whoever had the better defense or defense performed better that day would control the game, yeah. would win the game. Well, and you know, so Al was, Davis is like that. You know, he, he, he drafted guys just a couple, like Otis, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they got Upshaw because Buck Buchanan, you know, you got to be just able to, to block. Stop Buck. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to be able to block Buck, you know. They, that's, how, that's how they did it, you know. Tidy. They had some characters, too, though. Ben Davidson with the... Yeah. Ben Davis, yeah. And, and LaMonica, to me, I've got to meet him later. He was the most confident guy. Yeah. And they were kind of... They were easy to dislike a couple of those people because they were cocky as hell, too. But they were good. Oh, they were they good. Were you know, and to Ben Davis, to spear Lenny up there, you know. Yeah. You see what happened. That's all that the happened team. Everybody just, hey, don't do that. Always the first one that went... What huh? the butt was that we lost an opportunity to mm -hmm. win the division. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm standing on the sideline. I told you I don't participate emotionally. I told you how my game had to be played, all right? I see Lenny have a third and 19, does a toss fake, puts the ball on his hip, scampers around right in for about 20 yards, and stumbles and falls, and he's not touched down. Davidson, a legitimate penalty, because he spears him, big body rolls over, Otis gets into a scuffle. Gloucester Richardson, instead of grabbing Otis, starts to flail also. Jim Lynch, my wonderful oh, yeah. linebacker, calm as can be all the time except <laughs> yeah, on that day. He rushed out on the field since we were on both sidelines 
and starts flailing at something, <laughs> is spitting and coughing, coming back to the sideline. I said, they're going to call offsetting penalties. They're going to take the ball and move it back to where it was before. We'll have to run that play again. No, they're not going to. That's exactly, that's exactly what they did. Yeah. So I stood there and watched that unfold. And George Blander kicks a field goal to ties the game. Yep. We lose the division by half a game. All right. right? And, and that started to slide. Of this thing unraveling, <laughs> no, thank you, no, just go back yeah. to go back to that emotional moment, and it started to it started to do that. Well, I always considered that fuel to the rivalry fire, but I never thought of that as kind of the beginning of the end of that, those great teams. Very interesting. Um, what, what what comes to mind when I say Lamar Hunt? I asked Lamar to be my presenter, and I was fortunate to be able to do that and appreciate it just the qualities of humanity is how I would just offer a comment about Lamar. Without him, we wouldn't have the league. We mentioned earlier in the conversation. And um, for him to um, have the courage to leave Dallas, come to Kansas City, start all over again, and uh, then assemble the coaching staff and the players that he did, we're all very, very thankful for that and a giant amongst men. Yeah, he's uh, unbelievable, man. To have that knowledge to come in and start a league, you know, and uh, I just admired the guy. I mean, I could, I talk to him, I call him on the phone anytime, you know. And one of the things I like about it, you know, he he would never violate park his car. And I've been to all the Super Bowls and stuff. And I go to a function, you know, and Lamar would be driving his car, you know. After the function one time in Detroit, we had a Super Bowl there, and I said, Lamar, oh, you get ready to leave? Yeah. He's got his keys in his hands, you know, like this. Said, you didn't violate parking? No, no, Bill, I don't violate. <laughs> I said, where did you park your car? Down in the hood, you know. I said, I, I, I have walked with him to get his car. I said, well, I think he was a nice man. I think with that, I went to some of the league meetings when I worked for HNTB Corporation for many years. I think everything that he did at meetings, he didn't vote for what would benefit the chief necessarily. But what was good for the whole league, for the whole game. He always, you yeah. Know, so I think it had a lot to do with the development of pro football. The bottom line, very nice man. Unbelievable. One thing I, you know, I told people a long time ago by when I rode with him to the airport, that's after I agreed to, to play for him, you know. And uh, when I get to the airport, you know, I mean, in New York, I guess he asked me about, the, said, hey, how are you getting to your hotel? I said, uh, probably a cab. He thought somebody was going to pick me up in a limo, yeah. you know. So he said, okay, I'm riding with you. Road with him as we're going toward the toll back in 1962. This is 1962. The driver reached over his hand and said, Hey, you guys got to pay for the toll. He did like this. Lamar ain't, ain't moved. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there going like this. You know? So I gave the guy at that time, 1962, 15 cents, I think, 20 cents, something like that. I gave the guy. And Lamar went to his hotel first and he knocks on the window and said, Bell, you got any cash on you? <laughs> and I go, like, Uh, yeah. Oh, okay then. So I went to my hotel. I got to pay for the cab too. You know? <laughs> so I, I run inside the hotel at the Waldorf's up there in, in New York. Checked in and I ran upstairs, you know, and I called Don Knutson down in, uh, in Minneapolis. I said, Don, Don. He said, what, what? Did I do the right thing? He said, what, what are you talking about? Signing with Lamar Hunt. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's broke. <laughs> Swear to God. And I, you know, nothing happened all that time, you know, about Lamar. You know, I, I talked about it, never told anybody. Finally, when I turned 60, he always sent me a birthday. He always had written, he write it. You, you ever seen his written it? Oh, man. So my 60th birthday, guess what he sent me? He had 15 cents. 
taped in it. <laughs> I have the card right now. That's I showed awesome. it to Clark, man. Clark said, no way. And I said, yeah. I, so I saw Lamar again. I said, Lamar, I said, what about the cab money? He said, it's in the mail. <laughs> this is a true story. I've been offered $4,000 or $5,000 for that card, my birthday. Oh, my, wow. Yeah. He sends it in. A, that's what he did. He sent it to me. Always said, happy birthday. 15 cents. Taped it. <laughs> I always thought Lamar had a, a genuine love for you guys. Uh, Hank Stram. One of the things that, that I started with Hank Stram because he and John McKay were best of friends. John McKay was my college coach. Then when I got there, I saw that he installed the I-formation, uh, a pro-I-formation. I think the thing that I loved about Hank most of all was that um, I always knew when we played someone, offensively, we were ready to play. We never got outflanked. We were always there. And he was quite a personality. But anyway, the, the, my biggest feeling about him is that I always knew we were ready to play any game we're going to play. Well, I liked him a lot. He, he built me up and made me feel like I thought it. He told me that I was good. He gave me all the confidence in the world, and and he gave me a, gave me a chance. He bought a lot of competition early in the in my career, but he convinced me. He thought he, he gave me all the confidence in the world. He just kept telling me that believe in yourself. I believe in you. You're very good. Took his word for it. Mm. But anyway, he was he was good to me. And also, it was a real character. He was a very unique man. Some of his the clothes he wore, and some of the, you know, the the uh, the, the the way he talked and the way he handled himself. He he was one of a kind, and he was very good to me. I didn't think he got the full credit for the innovation that he came up with from an offensive standpoint, from the defense with the stack and moving the tackle over the center. And you look at the West Coast when they talk about the offenses and talk about Walsh and all of those, Cordell, whatever. Hank was creative, and that's why we were able to achieve what we achieved. And then being able to have the defense structured in the same way, he was just showing his creativity in being able to manage and coach in a, in a league that it just seemed to me that his name was not more pronounced with yeah. some of the changes that yeah. going on. I think he, he, we did, we really can be close friends to this day, you know, his family and all that stuff. His, he believed in the family thing. And like Willie said, you know, his idea with the triple stack, you know, all that stuff, the West Coast and stuff, any way he could figure out the win, he could move. He had the players to do it, to move them around, you know. And over the years, I mean, I got to, oh, my gosh, coach. I, I don't know, man. This guy was way before... I mean, he was out in front of everybody. He want anything that's different. He loves to win. Yeah. He wants that edge, you know. And I have. Uh, I used to love to play racquetball, you know. You know, racquetball and stuff like that. You know, he was pretty good at handball and stuff. And I won that racquetball tournament at the Chiefs one, you know. And somebody told him, said, you know, Bell is pretty good. So he wanted to play me one time, but he wanted to get ready. He goes, heat the balls up and stuff, have Wayne Rudy come in there and all that stuff. He said, Wayne Rudy, you got you keep score, you know, stuff like that, you know. I would not never give up to him, you know. But we went in and played that. I couldn't win, he couldn't win. I just, I said, I'm done, coach. Hinder, you know, all this stuff, you know. But that's, that was the coach, you know. And after the game, you know, his family, I, I, I talked to him all, all the way up until he passed, you know. He would call, talk to you, how you doing, you need something, you know, you okay. Even after I got out of the ball, you know, he's, he was that guy. I mean, they constant, you know, I talked to him probably every week. Phyllis, you know, 98 years old, man. It's just amazing. I used to visit with him with this guy. He was like a dad, you know. Yeah. That's the kind uh, of guy he, he was. He was unique. But I never saw anybody uh, like him. Yeah. I don't know how he got all his mannerism or the oh. way he talked and the way he dressed. And 
the way he acted. I have no idea where he got it, but oh. there was only one one hangs for him. That's when, right. When I was the athletic director at USC for some 17 years and I brought Pete Carroll and, and we started dominating college football, I could always count on Hank calling me every Monday. Really? What do you think, Mike? I said, Coach, I think we're hot. He says, well, what, what, how do you? I said, we're just like Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you were coaching, I said, Coach, we know how to win. He says, you guys are doing a great job. And I said, we did a great job in Kansas City, too. So we're just keeping it alive. Yeah. I mean, he'll call us and say, hey, you need to call so-and-so a player. He's in, you know, he's having a little Certainly. down. I mean, he, he always did that. Hey, Bob, he said, Bill, you got to call so-and-so. He's not doing too good. You guys were his family, you know. Although I can't believe he challenged your reflexes. Play ball with anybody but Bobby Bell. Hey, hey I tell you what, yeah, we played one day with Wayne Rudy's up in there counting, you know. We had our sweatsuits on. Coach, you get in front of me, I'm going to hit you with it. <laughs> and in the same way, not one time, I, you know, he got in front of me up in the corner. I hit him, hit the ball, and <laughs> almost took that toothpick off. <laughs> you see him wear the toothpick, you know, like this, you know. He said, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. I said, no, Coach, I'm not, no, no, no. And he said, Wayne, what do you say? Wayne said, I'm not out of here. I walked out. We never finished a game. We played, never finished. <laughs> really? He would not give up, you know. <laughs> He take the ball and then heat it up. Did you? Yeah, did you play? You played right, didn't you? Yeah, I played right. Well, yes. Yeah, he, he put that ball in hot water. You know, you know what happened to the it? Innovator. That thing go pew, like a bullet. You know. An innovator indeed. Hank Stram's 1969 squad would eventually make an impressive roster in Canton, Ohio. I'll ask our panel about their teammates when we come back. Still to come on Legends. What a great player. He could dominate between the guards. Just as I always thought about very much is that if I had to go to war, I want to go with Buck. Century Roofing, your hometown roofing team, is proud to celebrate the life of Lynn Dawson. When choosing a roofing company, time is money, so choose the best. Century Roofing has been voted winner for Best Roofing Company in Johnson County. You'll get quick and reliable service with outstanding technical expertise. We house all materials on-site, so there's no unexpected delays. Be confident you made the right choice. Schedule an estimate from the best. KC-based and female-owned. Online at CenturyRoofingKC.com. Century Roofing. Trust the pillars of strength. Hi, I'm Steve Hetchpath with Quad Power Products, your trusted source for hydraulics, pneumatics, standard and metric fittings and adapters, and industrial hose. Plus, we have a full-service cylinder repair shop. Come see us on Hickman Mills Drive in South Kansas City, or call and speak with one of our knowledgeable sales staff at 816-965-8925. Find us on the web at quadfluidpower.com. Quad Power Products. We've been solving our customers' fluid power problems over 25 years. Now, back to our exclusive Chiefs Radio Special. You're listening to Legends on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Once again, here's your host, Dan Israel. Football is, of course, a team sport. And though our legends today, Jan Stinnerud, Mike Garrett, Bobby Bell, and Willie Lanier, were some of the best players to ever wear a Chiefs jersey, they were not alone on Sundays. In fact, I found them much more willing to talk about their teammates than themselves, a fact that underscores just how important relationships inside the locker room are to championship teams. We started with four-time All-Pro, Pro Bowl wide receiver, Otis Taylor. Greatest receiver played pro football. They talk about other people 
with better statistics. But Otis could, uh, he was a big guy, he could run, catch. You give me any receiver in pro football and, and I'll, I'll put him against Otis and I think Otis would be better. He's unbelievable. The guy could play any sports. He's just kind of like a quarterback. Him and Lenny get together, you know. It, Lenny, I talk to him. He, he talks, I can do this. And they go along with it. And, you know, he's right up there. He, sh- he should be he should be in the pro football. For, I, I counted 10 years. He was in the top 10 receivers in the country. 10 years he counted. Let me say this. When I ran the ball, and if I jumped outside, tried to sweep it, I always counted Otis to crack on the strong safety. What receiver goes and cracks on the strong safety? Yeah. And put, Otis was just very physical. And uh, I can't tell you how great a player he was. He's just unbelievable. Oh, yes. I call spectacular is the best word I can think of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Catch it with one hand behind him and all that. Oh, man, this guy was just and a tough guy. Tough football player. I didn't even know about the blocking thing that he was Oh, did. yeah. Oh. He'd always wink at me. He says, I got him, Michael. I got that's, him. That's him. Yeah. yeah. I got it. I got it. Who doesn't want that guy on your side? Oh, yeah. Jim Lynch. Quality. Quality. Yeah. Gentleman with skill and ability from a from college to the pros, we crafted a relationship that was unique in the in the way that he grew up in Lima, Ohio, a not a rather diverse town. Went to the University of Notre Dame. They only had one black player on the team, Alton Page, was not a most diverse team. He came to Kansas City with all the accolades of America. And there was a black kid from Baltimore that beat him out for the position. And he didn't show any rancor at all. I didn't understand that. So what happened is that we became roommates for eight years. We didn't discuss what I'm offering. And years later, after we no longer were playing, we went up to Notre Dame for the first time, and I attended the game with them. And I was trying to consciously study this thing. What was different about him and his background and his growing up that allowed him, as a competitor, to not to seem bothered yeah. about all of that and how it unfolded. So the thing that I really remember was the Virgin Mary on one of those buildings on that campus. And then I was told that the dormitories had a priest that lived in the men's dorm. So some of those things that you might think of doing, you certainly don't do if a priest lives in your dorm. <laughs> I <would> think not. <laughs> so you have that band that lights it up going from campus to the stadium. Then it just raises your hair on your neck because it was beyond consequence. And then we went down to the grotto where you go to pray. It was fascinating to me. And I felt I saw what made him different. And it was, it was incredible. So here we were, men from two different backgrounds. And then at the same time, his brother attended the Naval Academy. He was Roger Starbuck's center. He went on to become superintendent of the academy. We played a game in New Orleans, and there was a amphibious carrier being built at Avondale Shipyards in Pasadena, Mississippi. We went over there because that amphibious carrier was named for Jesse Brown, who was the cook in Pearl Harbor, who went up and manned the guns and took down those Nazi mm. planes coming in. And that was his brother to command that vessel. Wow. So expressing it, it was incredible in terms of uh, a relationship that he and I had, but also a background of, as I pulled that other data, that just reflected the unique gifts that God gives people. I had the pleasure of playing against Jim in college and uh, played middle backer, and uh, he held his own. He was very good. Yeah. 
And then when it came to the Chiefs, I remember that dilemma. Is it Lanier or is it uh, Jimmy? And it was just, uh, what, what a great experience to see that happen. And that was a catharsis, black and white, and both finding their position to help the overall team. And how that happened was a great example of character and, and why the Chiefs are as good as they are. Super great guy, you know. I mean, when he came to Kansas City, you know, and Willie, you know, they was roommates and stuff like that. But Fur is a teammate. God almighty, you couldn't ask for a better guy. No. I, don't, I don't think it, I mean, I'll take him any day. I mean, the third linebackers. We played together, do different things, you know, and we adjust on the field, you know. And Willie sometimes, after a play, he's looking down and betters give out the play, you know. He said, Somebody get that get that call. <laughs> and me between me and Jim and, and Willie, we all called the plays and stuff like that. It was just a team thing, man. God. It's such a telling sign of how each of you came from these diverse backgrounds and in a still racially divided time, yet you became a family with one goal for your team to exceed. There was no black, no white, just red. I find that incredibly uh, inspiring. And in a losing Lenny and Jim in the same year, certainly not easy for you guys. Another teammate the Hall of Fame inducted was Buck Buchanan. I love Buck. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I remember coming here, Kansas City as a rookie, and going, uh, never being in training camp in Liberty, Liberty, Missouri. I remember going down the field from the locker room, and I stood, I was walking behind this big human being, and I kept saying, Can he move very fast? <laughs> Can he? And I watched Buck on the field, and what a great player. He could dominate between the guards, just, just be impossible to block. And um, also had a sense of, of uh, humor and was a fun person to be around, but I always th thought about very much is that if I had to go to war, I want to go with Buck. He was unbelievable. Well, you know, me and Buck was roommates. <laughs> the guy was fantastic human being. I mean, oh, God, man. It's like y yesterday, you know. I, I mean, I'm real close with Georgia Buchanan right now. So the guy was just amazing, man. I mean, it, uh, <laughs> We'll go through the defense and stuff in the room because we were roommates on the road, and we talked so much about oh, what we're we gonna do and stuff like that, you know. For him to be passed away, what fifty-one years old, man, police here, you know, not unexpected, you know. But uh, God Almighty, man, just we became buddies, good friends, brothers, man. You just <sighs> hell of a football player. <laughs> I mean. I mean, he'd take on the world. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll never forget, you know, when uh, we were roommates all that time, you know, and we had Ernie Ladd to come here and play, you know. Ernie Ladd told Coach Stram, uh, me and Buck's going to be roommates. And we went to, I think it was San Diego, you know. And I looked down. I, I used to go get the keys for, you know, Buck, and I reached down. Uh, when no keys from Buck, you know. What's the deal here? Had me with somebody else. I said, oh, come on. So... I went down and I told the people, I said, I room by myself. This is not right. You know, I'm not room. And they, they changed the room. I, I got a room by myself. And Buck had the room with Ernie Ladd that first night. The next time, I said, wait a minute. What are you doing? We went on the road again. I said, what are you doing? He's got my, he got both of our keys. <laughs> he told the coach. He said, there's no way I'm rooming with Ernie Ladd again. He said, I'm going to room with Bobby Bell again. Yeah. I mean, this. I mean, he changed it right there, and uh, it's, he was that way, man. 
I remember when he passed away, I was on a road. I went by Michael's clothing, you know, and they said, Buck's not doing good. He's not doing good. I said, what do you mean? And I came off, I got from the airport and went by Michael's to pick up something, and Key told me, he said, I heard that Buck's is not good, man. He's home, but he's not. And I drove straight out there to his house in Owen Park and knocked on the door, you know, and George came, he's in the room now, went in there, and he looked at me, you know, and go, I, I, like it's yesterday, and he said, and you say, Rumi, Buck's, Buck's not good. Mm. Buck is tired. And I said, oh, God. Soon he said that, I knew. He said, Buck is tired, man, Buck is tired. And I, I visited with him for about an hour and two hours, you know. I left, didn't see him again, alive. He died that night. Mm. So, great roommate, man. Great, great player. Yes. Great human being. Unbelievable, man. Even though it's been 30 years, Bobby, I can see how much this loss still hurts. I always thought it was sad that he succumbed to lung cancer just one week before his Canton induction. And if Chiefs fans wonder why they never see anyone in the number 86, well, it's because they retired Buck's number in his honor. Another defensive tackle and Canton teammate is Curly Culp. Tremendous. Curly... Uh, had the unique ability because of his size and his quickness and having been NC2A wrestling champion to just change the dynamic of an interior defensive lineman. I don't think there's been anyone like him no. to have that kind of unique skill because he could tap you on that shoulder, elbow, and in a moment, it changed stuff, all right? So if I'm, I'm sitting behind him knowing I have this big buffalo who can make stuff happen, I mean, it was fascinating because at different times, we had to allow that full part of your athletic ability to just show itself when you were kind of ticked off at somebody else. <laughs> All right. Jim Otto, Oakland Raiders, they ran a screen and Otto uh, snaps the ball and the running back lifts up like he's going to take it. And then the screen goes to the right. He falls. And once he's on the ground, I go to stride over him and he kicks up toward my more private area. <laughs> All right. So what happens is that for the next half of that game, this is in the first half, I'm going 4-3 to over and under. Curly lines up and tees off on him. I slide over on the 4-3 and I tee off on him. <laughs> and we did that that whole first half. We watch films at the beginning of the second half. He's wobbling around. <laughs> <laughs> He's wobbling around in all kinds of ways. And that was the only time that we had done that, and I and I gained a lot of joy just in this <laughs> yeah. reality that Curly could do X, I could do Y, and we could just sort of add that to our own little personal story of uh, what made sometimes the game a little bit more exciting than others. Yeah, but the, the guy is unbelievable quick. I Rouse, you know, I used I say, hey, Curly, are you really that quick? He's, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm that quick. You know, he, I said, you don't want to challenge me. I said, you can't beat me. You know. And we used to get on there, but on the triple stack, you know how you, we'd get in that triple stack, I line up behind him. I used to line up behind him, you know, and I, you know, I get behind him. I, I can if I tap him this way, you know, that means he's he's got he knew he's going down, and I'm going this way. I'm gonna fill this hole, you know, and he, and always you know that he get double teamed. I make the play. He said, "Hey, hey, Bell, God damn, man." Let me have a chance at it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I always say, okay, man. Every time I see the play, I, I check. Oh, God, they're getting ready to do it. <laughs> I go like that. He go, God, oh, my. He hit down, double team. Ping. I'm off. Make the play. So one time I did it. One, I 
gave him the left side, you know. He got, oh, you see him blowing up now. <laughs> he said, I'm getting ready. And right before the play, I tapped his side. <laughs> the double team I went through, and he, he gets up. God damn it, man. Why you do that to me? And we talk about that. He always talk about that. Man, why don't you give me a chance? Give me a chance, you know. But we kidded around. But he was a hell of a player, man. Quick. I mean, quick. I was at Minnesota. He, you know, he was the quickest guy, world champs, all that stuff, you know. I was going to go see him wrestle at Minnesota. And I went up there, and we were getting ready to sit down. And the guy said, go get some popcorn. I said, Curtis getting ready to come up and wrestle, you know. I want to see him, how quick this guy is. As I go get the popcorn on my way back, his match stopped, started. Before I can get to sit down, <coughs> he pinned the guy. <laughs> I never got the chance to see him <laughs> wrestle, you know. And I used to tell him that. I mean, that's how quick he was. Yeah. Oh, man. He knew leverage for sure. Oh, he understood God. leverage. Unbelievable. We were at practice once, and, and Curly was one who could be have just slapping you on the back and almost knock you down because he was so <laughs> heavy-handed. So we found ourselves in a little wrestling moment, all right? So we were in the wrestling moment, and because he wrestled, I didn't. I find that he is on front of me, getting ready to head toward the ground, and I'm going to hit the ground. He was going to be on top, and I was able to, in some way, rotate and pivot. And I was able to pivot and rotate, and I jumped up, and I said, we will never do this again. <laughs> no uh, there will never be a chance for any of this to happen again. <laughs> Near-death experience. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 no. Mm-mm. So... It's hard to imagine anyone getting leverage on Willie Lanier. In Hour 3, Bobby will have his own Curly Culp story, and we'll get the thoughts of Mike Garrett on the late nose tackle. After the break on Legends. It was different, man. You got to know all the, if the fans. You know? yeah. We made a lot of appearances around, around town, showing the highlight film and answering questions. And you can go out to eat, you know, the clubs and stuff like that. You know, the fans, they were just super nice to everybody. 